Welcome to Mortals, a podcast where we explore how humans have dealt with death throughout history. From embalming and epitaphs to mourning and morgues, we are taking a look at rites, rituals, and practices from around the world. Mortals podcast is for the morbidly curious or the curiously morbid. This week, we are talking about green burial. Please be advised, this episode contains mentions of natural body decomposition and death. Now let's get on to the show. Well, hello. 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 Hello, people. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Mortals. As you heard in the introduction, we're talking about green burial today and specifically burial because there are green ways to deal with bodies that aren't necessarily burial. Uh, And I learned this through the course of research for this episode. I had just assumed it was all kind of under one umbrella. Yeah, but green burial green, is a green, very specific thing. Yeah, I believe it's also called natural burial. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, so in my quest to learn more about green burial and figure out what does green burial even mean, I did some research, I did some digging, and found that green uh-huh. burial... <laughs> I didn't even try to make a pun. <laughs> uh, that was not an intentional pun. Uh, Those are the best ones. I can pretend it was. <laughs> the listeners have already heard that it wasn't. Uh, so I did some digging. Uh, and green burial is a term which describes environmentally conscious and simple burial methods. And as Mariah has already pointed out, it is sometimes called natural burial as well. Uh, but green death, green ways of dealing with death are not always strictly burials. And there will be plenty of room in the future for us to talk about some of these things. Um, I think we mentioned them in passing before. Human composting. I think we talked about the freeze-drying one. Yeah, the permeshin. Permeshin, yeah. I couldn't remember what it was called. Yeah, aquamation, Uh, I believe, has come up as well. So those aren't considered green burial because they're not necessarily... Burying, you might eventually bury the remains, but there are there are in the green death sphere, but green burial is burial specifically. Uh, so I want to take the definition from funerals.org, which I feel like is a pretty good authority uh, for defining things they related got that domain. to death. <laughs> so according to funerals.org, green burial is this. The body is neither cremated nor prepared with chemicals such as embalming fluids. It is simply placed in a biodegradable coffin or shroud and interred without a concrete burial vault. The grave site is allowed to return to nature. The goal is complete decomposition of the body and its natural return to the soil. I imagine we've been burying people straight into the earth. Uh, a lot longer than we've had boxes to put them in and particularly vaults and chemicals to, in the latter case, preserve and in the former case, stop those preservatives from leaching into the ground table of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Green burial is not new, although the term green burial is. And let's go back to our friend funerals.org. They put it in a very cutting way. Uh, don't forget our very recent ancestors called these practices simply burial. (laughs) Uh, Aside from the few societies that historically practiced embalming, which ancient Egypt is always the first one that comes to mind, but there were several others. Uh, Most burials around the world before the mid-19th century were what we would today call green, quote-unquote green, burials. Um, There are some communities and some cultures that have continued with natural burial, even during that time period, that aberration time period of the 19th century to basically today with uh, caskets and vaults and all that kind of stuff. There are cultures who didn't uh, align with that convention, such as Jewish 
and Muslim communities. It's actually part of their religion to not have those things as part of the burial convention. I believe most indigenous peoples, at least in North America, and again, I this isn't something I know a lot or really anything about as a non-indigenous person, but I recently was on a tombstone tour in the oldest cemetery in the city I live in, and it was mentioned that it was kind of an affront to indigenous people to be buried in like a Catholic graveyard in a box with a stone tombstone without permission or consideration, and not necessarily indigenous people who had converted over to Catholicism or Christianity, um, but that it was something of an affront and a divide among indigenous communities who felt that a more natural barrier was more proper. Mm. And I actually drove by a natural burial uh, near a campsite on the reservation uh, on the other side of the river a few months ago, just as an aside. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, so I imagine the the exact specifications of burials of in- Indigenous uh, and First Nations would differ, obviously, from one to the other. The book that I read as part of the research for this episode um, did mention one specifically, uh, which is the Comanche platform burials, which is considered a form of green burial. The book had like little tales from the grave with a little like sidebar or like boxes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just like text box. This is a, a little tidbit about one culture's style of burial. And I'm like, these are all really great ideas to explore further. So uh, <laughs> I might be pulling some ideas from that book, which is, um, I believe it's called the Green Burial Guidebook by Elizabeth Fournier, if I'm remembering her name correctly. Uh, first couple chapters were really, really helpful for this research. So, so yeah, the um, the embalming and the interring in this huge, glorious casket and then placing it in a concrete burial vault, that's very much an aberration in human history. Uh, and it's only something that's been going on basically since the American Civil War. When so many people were dying away from their families and the living wanted their loved ones' bodies brought back home. Uh, So embalming became the thing uh, to do to facilitate the transport and the preservation of the body until they could be returned. Uh, And that is how, in very short form, (laughs) the funerary industry as we know it today was kind of born out of that. That's really, really oversimplifying it, but this is not an episode about the modern funeral industry. It's about green burial specifically, so I didn't want to get too much into that specifically. I'll save, I'll save my tidbit Okay. Um, about unclaimed embalmed bodies during the Civil War. Are you sure? They were, pro- I, they were propped up outside of embalmers' tents as advertisements for how good the embalmer was, um, and that was the fate of unclaimed Civil War bodies. At least until they were claimed, I guess. Somebody walking by going, hey, that's my cousin, actually. Listeners, you can't see my face, but I'm making that cringe emoji face, basically. Right, yeah, it gives new meaning to uh, picking up the window model. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's wild. Uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Continuing on uh, with Green Burial, um, it wasn't until the mid-1990s that people in North America in particular, which is where a lot of this research is coming out of, uh, as we are living in North America, it wasn't until the mid-1990s that people began seriously considering a turn back to sustainable burial. And Canada's first urban green burial site only opened in 2008, which is actually uh, Royal Oak Burial Park in Victoria. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So maybe making a trip there one day. Yeah. Somehow I'm not surprised it's Victoria. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me given the the West Coast vibe and all the aging population here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So in the course of this research, I kind of broke it down into some questions that I asked myself that I wanted to learn about this. So we've covered what is green burial briefly? When did it become a thing? And now we move to why? Why green burial? Why do we care? Why do we do it? Why is there this turn towards uh, being environmentally conscious about the way we bury our dead? So some of the benefits of green burial are touted as the simplicity, 
the idea of wrapping a body in a shroud and simply placing it in the ground uh, is a lot more simple and easier to deal with when you're in a moment of grief than, oh my god, I have to spend $20,000 on a casket or however much they are. And Oof. all that kind of stuff. So simplicity. And that ties into the idea of lower cost, um, especially if you're not embalming, if you're not buying an expensive casket. Um, if you're having a more simple ceremony, it's going to cost less money overall. So there's that factor as well. And actually, uh, I read a CBC article called Green Burials, Everything You Need to Know About the Growing Trend by Chloe Rose Stewart Olin, if I pronounced her That's name. That's a lot of names. Correctly, yeah. Uh, and there's this great quote about burials and the cost and the cost of funerals and all that kind of stuff. So I want to read it. Skyrocketing burial plot prices is one of the reasons why cremation which might only set you back about $2,000, is such a popular option in Canada. About 72% of Canadians chose cremation over other burial options in 2018, according to the Cremation Association of North America. And there was a period of time that cremation was considered more environmentally friendly than traditional burial. And by traditional burial, I mean the traditional casket and embalming and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as we know today... With the emissions that are coming out of cremation, the high, high temperatures that you need to actually break down the body into the ashes, uh, the cremains that eventually you get at the end, it's not the most environmentally friendly thing to do to a body, but it was cheaper for quite some time. So I did want to read that. So you've got, you've, you see this evolution of a concern about skyrocketing burial plot prices, which is what happens when you keep burying dead in forever graves. The bodies aren't ever moving anywhere. They have these concrete vaults that surround them and you can never reuse that grave space and we're running out of space. So to buy a burial plot is going to start costing you more money. And it's not like we're stopping having babies to put into graves Eventually, not immediately. Yeah, humans. <laughs> humans. We keep making humans. Yeah, exactly. And all humans die, unfortunately, except for apparently Keanu Reeves. <laughs> apparently. Infinite, uh, not infinite. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Immortal. Duh. Immortal? This one is Immortal. called Mor- this epi- this. Oh my god, I can't speak today. This podcast is hey. called Mortals. Immortal Keanu Reeves. That theory. Oh, yeah. I guess we shouldn't be talking about Keanu Reeves. It breaks the ethos. Mm. Well. I'm sorry that I just poured a fizzy drink. (laughs) That's all good. Continuing onwards, another benefit of green burials, which I've sort of touched on, is conserving natural resources. And this I found really fascinating. So this is a direct quote, I think, from greenburialcouncil.org. I should have cited my source on this one. Uh, Each year, U.S. cemeteries bury over 30 million board feet of hardwood and 90,000 tons of steel in caskets. 17,000 tons of steel and copper in vaults and 1.6 million tons of reinforced concrete in vaults. And with green burial, obviously, fewer resources are used. So just think about all of the... the (laughs) The resources that are going into putting dead people in the ground that we could be using to build houses and highways and train tracks and everything that our modern society needs, but we are expending it upon the dead and not allowing them to decay naturally uh, and return to the earth. Jesus Christ. When I think about like how much we could build from just those materials... My brain also goes to things like the uh, Kutnohora church in the Czech Republic, which is festooned with plague victim skeletons. Mm. Like the chandeliers, the walls, the whole thing. That building is made from all those materials, plus the bodies themselves. How industrious. And yet, North America... We really like to divorce ourselves from anything that's nasty or difficult or sad at all. Yeah, and part of that whole divorcing ourselves from the things that are icky and bad, and we touched on this way, way back when in the postmortem photography a little bit, you want to take the photo before the body decays too much, um, is embalming. And embalming fluid is another big environmental factor that is considered when choosing green burial. 
Uh, embalming fluid contains formaldehyde, as most people know, or maybe you didn't know, but now you do, uh, which is a respiratory irritant and a known carcinogen. Uh, so we put it in dead bodies and you think, oh, that's fine. They're dead. But there are lots of people in the funeral industry who have to deal with that chemical. So they're exposed to it. And then as the body decays, it would leach it into the soil. But then we came up with the solution of putting them into sealed caskets and concrete vaults. So it wouldn't, but then we're wasting so much. So it's just, we're trying to fix one problem by adding another problem on top of it. We're just wrapping it in layers and layers of band-aids and not doing anything to staunch the like the bleeding so to speak yes yes it's like and oh no they putrefy let's put things that stop putrefaction in there oh no it's breaking free of the casket well let's put that in a bigger casket essentially and then oh no everybody takes up that much more space we're running out of space for our caskets in caskets. Of course, not everybody who's buried in a casket is embalmed and also placed in a vault, but it's still quite a large spot. If we remember from the AIDS quilts episode, it's approximately three foot by six foot for a burial plot or a coffin, yeah. which can add up quite quickly. That's 12 square feet. Yeah, well, that's so 18 square feet. Think- I'm, bad, I'm gay and bad at math. <laughs> If you think we've all, we've only been we as humans have only been doing this uh, really intensive embalmed body in a casket, casket in a concrete vault, that kind of thing, for I'm also bad at math. 150 years, <laughs> 150, 160 years, and we are using up land space for the dead. That honestly, with the the population of the planet right now. If every generation has to have its own cemetery one day, if we continued on this path, it's just not sustainable. So uh, one, the last and final uh, element of green burial or why choose green burial is in the interest of preserving natural areas. So green burial is green in more than just being environmentally conscious on the part of humans, but also for the part of nature around us. A lot of green burial cemeteries are big on planning native planning and planting uh, native species and meadows and things like that. So whereas you might find a quote-unquote traditional, what we today know as traditional cemeteries with headstones and very flat manicured lawns and flowers uh, looking very sort of sterile in a way. A lot of the green burial parks or green burial cemeteries have a more natural feel to them, and that is in the interest of preserving natural areas. So before I get any further, I got to this point in my research and I was like, well, that's all sounds well and good, but I feel like in our modern society, a lot of people are concerned with the environment and making sure we're not causing more harm than good. And I feel like there are some bad actors that like to take advantage of that and promote their services as environmentally friendly just because it will sell, just because people will buy it. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, I wonder if greenwashing ever comes into play. And what I mean by greenwashing is conveying a false sense of this is environmentally friendly, uh, slapping a green leaf or a label on a product like shampoo or whatever, just to convey the sense that this is green, it's environmentally safe and friendly, when in fact, just because you slap a, a leaf or whatever on it doesn't mean that's a regulated symbol. And so I found that there's a, a Green Burial Council or sorry, the Green Burial Society of Canada, and we're in Canada, so this made sense for me to dive into this specific organization. I didn't want to dive into them all, but the Green Burial Society of Canada has five principles that are essential to a burial park being designated as a green burial facility, and all the burials need to abide by it, uh, by these five principles, in order to be considered green burial. So we have, uh, in some ways, like a codified list of things that need to be done so that you're not going to (laughs) be tricked by a funeral provider uh, trying to sell you a green funeral when it's not, which is a concern and is 
a big thing that happens with grieving families uh, being ups- upsold on caskets and things sort of being taken advantage of. Not necessarily just in green burials, but in general, because it is yeah, a, a quite vulnerable usually, time. Yeah, because funeral homes are often private businesses, right? So they do have kind of a, a right to charge for their services. There's no legal compunction for them to provide things at like a mandated level or price necessarily. There are some large corporations that will come in and buy out small funeral homes and just keep the name to keep it small in air quotes and local. But yeah, there's no like government off. There's no necessarily regulating the cost of funerals. And are you really going to shop around for a better price in the immediate wake of losing somebody. Mm-hmm. Obviously someone close if you're the one responsible for arranging the funeral. Probably yeah. not. So upselling, huge problem if you end up dealing with somebody who is guilty of that. Yeah, and in my opinion, very unethical. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah, so so we have these principles that hopefully can guarantee that the burial that you are planning for your loved one is actually a green burial if that is was their wish or is your wish together as a family or what have you, whoever it is that you're burying. So the Green Burial Society of Canada has these five principles. First one, no embalming. If a body is intended to be viewed before burial, they usually will refrigerate instead of embalm it. And that's the key technique that they're using to preserve the body until the time comes to actually inter it in the ground. So no embalming, uh, direct earth burial. So that means literally putting it in the earth. Uh, They can be wrapped in a shroud, which can be made of natural biodegradable fibers uh, buried directly in the ground, or a fully biodegradable casket that has no glue, metal fasteners, or anything like that that would remain after decomposition has completed. Uh, I read that pine boxes are actually usually the best because pine helps uh, encourage decomposition. Oh, that's good. And here I was thinking about all of the pine needle basket weaving tutorials I've been seeing on YouTube lately. If that gives you any insight into what my YouTube algorithm is like. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the um, materials suggested for biodegradable caskets is like woven, woven material as well. So and that makes it easier to make sure that it stays together without fasteners, it's a, if it's a woven yeah. material. Um, and ideally, the source of the casket material, so if it's pine, for example, hopefully you're in an ecosystem that pine is there, because yeah. you don't want them sourced from far away, because that would not be environmentally conscious if you have to have it shipped from halfway across the continent, right? So not only are the bodies going directly into the ground in a shroud or a very simple casket, box really uh but no protective vault or grave liner can be used and also the soil uh, that you use to cover the grave should be left heaping above it to account for ground leveling as the body below decomposes which was a big concern in traditional quote-unquote cemeteries and that's the reason why vaults kind of became a thing is because they would bury Uh, people in more simple boxes and the bodies and the boxes would decompose and then everything would settle. And then they're like, hmm, this is mighty inconvenient when we need to mow the lawn. (laughs) There's a a huge hole here. Uh, So they were like, no, you must have a casket that's not going to biodegrade and cause a divot, essentially, in our our burial uh, cemetery. They didn't want that. They wanted it easier for the living to maintain. So that's how burial vaults and concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Golf course smooth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's not, instead of creating a complicated solution for the problem, green burial sites say, hey, let's just heap some more dirt on top of it. (laughs) If it works, it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've had no embalming and direct earth burial so far. The third principle is ecological restoration and conservation. As I mentioned before, many green burial cemeteries and sites really encourage the planting of native species atop the graves and kind of creating a more meadow-like environment. Uh, The service provider usually has a long-term plan in place for the ecology of their space, 
that accounts for all this and like the development and where bodies are going to go next and how we're going to develop this next part of the burial park. So they, they have that all established usually. And this is a quote directly from the Green Burial of Canada site that I thought really encapsulated this. So I want to read it. It says, sensitivity to and protection of the growing and eventually established ecosystem of the internment area is essential. For this reason, the visitation of individual graves is discouraged and eventually might be prohibited. Visitation of the internment area is managed through the sensitive placement of walking paths and the occasional bench, optimally placed adjacent to the communal memorial for the site, uh, which I'll get to in a second. Conservation of this ecosystem in perpetuity is a key component to many green burial sites. So they want to make sure that the ecosystem can be maintained and it's a, a natural fit for the, the environment that's already there with native species encouraging native animals. Uh, that's the key component. Fourth on the five principal list is communal memorialization, which I just mentioned uh, from the quote mm. there. So burials in green burial sites are memorialized communally rather than each burial having an individual headstone. And these are usually done using sustainable materials like natural stone along pathways uh, with a whole bunch of names on them. So in this general area, these are the people that have been buried. You don't necessarily, I mean, the family might know exactly where the plot is, but like I read in that quote, you're not really encouraged to go directly to the site. It's more about enjoying and thinking about this person and honoring their life in the environment as a whole. And you know what? Those concrete, like, pavestone kits for Michaels are a hell of a lot cheaper than a headstone. Not to be too crass, but if you're looking for a, you know, I'm going to make a, li a little concrete hexagon. We'll put some handprints and some glass beads and a name in there. We'll add it to the garden path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was unclear from what I had read if it was, like, paving stones of the pathway or if it was like, mm. here's a, a, a rock, a giant rock on the side of the pathway that has names carved into it. Uh, I think every site probably does it a little differently. So maybe yeah. there's some that do that. So <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, things like, yeah, large stones, petrified wood. There's lots of things that take far longer than a human's lifespan to degrade naturally. Are we ready for, uh, for number five? Five of five. Yeah. Okay. So number five is optimize land use. So green burial sites should optimally use the land, preferring space for burials over pathways, roads, or other infrastructure. So the emphasis is always on burying more people in the space that will better provide for the ecosystem and for the environment rather than making it a space a manicured space for the living. It's a space specifically for the dead to decompose and return to the earth. We don't necessarily, some don't necessarily even want permanent pathways. It's more about having a space that as a whole represents all the people that have been buried there. So you're not mm -hmm. encouraged to go see that specific person's burial plot because the goal is to eventually reuse the grave space. Yeah. Once they're completely decomposed, you can reuse the space. And that's something that is sort of outside of our comfortability, in a sense, in North America, to say, you're going to dig up this space that my, my person is buried and put another person in there. It feels like an invasion, but it's not. Yeah. It's... It's just how we change and frame our mindset about it because not everybody, not everybody can have its own permanent forever resting place. With how many people are on this planet, that would just not be possible moving into the future. And nor should we. I don't know if that's a controversial thing to say, but I don't think humans should have any sort of like immortal marker of an individual life as we are also animals in an ecosystem that relies on recycling of all of the things mm -hmm. including like the crust of the earth and sunshine and the oceans and all the bugs and all of 
the primates, including humans, and basically everything. It's in a long recycle set. There's no... I mean, the entire ancient ruins of Alexandria are 30 feet underground now. The world Eventually, is just... Eventually, they will just be sucked back into the core of the earth. Recycling things, wild. whether we like it or not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the planet really said, recycle, bitch! Yeah. And then would not take no for an answer, and we'll just slowly subsume all of us into the molten core of the earth and turn us into small islands and ash clouds. That got dark. I don't know, I think volcanoes are pretty cool. That is true, the volcanoes are pretty cool, in a, a fearsome kind of way. Yes, I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to be standing on one when it went off, but also the only reason I really want to go to Hawaii is because there's so many active volcanoes and I want to see them. Let me see the volcanoes. So the idea is to eventually reuse the graves. And another wonderful quote from the Green Burial Council of Canada, or whatever that exact website address was. Uh, I'll try to link it in the episode description, because there's a lot of resources for this episode. Only a small number of countries, and primarily the U.S. and Canada, use the perpetual right of internment cemetery model. Other than a small number of religious cemeteries in Quebec that have 100-year leases, the perpetual right of internment is the most common form of grave ownership in every province in Canada. So Jesus. the way that our cemeteries are structured and the way that the funeral industry is specifically structured is that people get their own place to rest after they've died in perpetuity. Completely unsustainable. Well, it's nice to know. <laughs> Completely unsustainable. But it is nice to know that if I am buried in such a way, I will finally own land. <laughs> That's about the only way our generation is going to own any slice of land. <laughs> By the time that we die, they're going to be like, you and a group of friends can get together and afford one burial plot, and we're going to put you in bunk bed style coffins. <laughs> yeah, actually, in some of the, I don't remember exactly where it was, but somewhere in my, my research travels, uh, and I mean travels as in travels on the internet and in books, they mentioned the idea of burying people in like a standing position to use yeah. less space. Which I am I imagine would make a tumultuous noise when you tipped that up at the funeral. And like how would you stop it from slowly like tipping in the grave? So you're like, I'm gonna dig right next to this and the thing is tipped over into <laughs> the bath it's I mean, I think it's a funny idea to slot them into like a, a standing vault, like a like a knife rack or a knife block almost. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, oven crypts are a thing in which a body is placed in a crypt for however long. It's an above-ground crypt. And then after their tenure is done, uh, essentially, all of the bones and stuff just get shoved down a chute in the back, and they slide in a new body. And it's like, welcome! Here's a new roommate for you. They're common in New Orleans. Okay. Interesting. Uh, learn great. something new every day. Yeah, there's always new death stuff to learn. There is. Yes, yeah, so... That's why you should continue listening to our podcast. Yeah, here we are learning along the way. Uh, and I mean, that's that's what we're doing. We're not experts from the get-go. We're uh, slowly absorbing the knowledge and hoping to become experts along the way. But we're it's a work in progress. Yeah. So, Green Burial. The next question. After we've gone through the five principles of uh, Green Burial in Canada, which, just to recap, were no embalming, direct earth burial ecological restoration and conservation, communal memorialization, and optimized land use. I ask myself, is it for everyone? I don't think it is, at least not at this point. We've become so... We have this, this discourse in our society that oh, we have to honor our dead in death, and currently honoring the dead means placing them in a beautiful casket and in a cemetery that you can go visit and mourn and grieve. And that's fine. Like that's, that's how we are. That's how our society is structured. And that's the way that it is because that's how society and we as a group, a community have set it up, but slowly things are changing, at least for some people. And I do believe that eventually a good portion of Canadians, for example, this will be the burial method moving into the future. The most common burial method, especially as cremation is somewhat falling out of favor because of the, the high carbon cost of cremation and the high temperatures and all that. But that wonderful CBC article that I was reading did point out that it's not always for everyone just because of 
cultural or religious reasons. So Canada obviously is a melting pot of cultures. At least we aspire to be. It doesn't always work out a hundred percent smoothly. Uh, we're we failing, but we're trying. We try. We purport to be. It's complicated. It's difficult. Uh, there's still racism. There's still inequality as much as we, and I mean we, general society pretends that there's not. But anyways, this wonderful CBC article pointed out that uh, religious traditions to consider sometimes are barriers to choosing green burial. So I mentioned previously Jewish and Muslim burial practices very much already align with natural or green burial practices. They eschew cremation and embalming, but practicing Hindus, Buddhists, Jains, and Sikhs consider cremation as an important part of honoring their dead. So that's a a cultural aspect that doesn't jive with green burial, although there are potentially ways to make cremation more environmentally friendly. Um, so it's kind of a attack at all angles kind of thing to make our burial mm-hmm. practices more sustainable and more friendly because just because I and myself now after this research, I'm like, hmm, green burial sounds pretty good. I think, I think that would be fine with me. Uh, that doesn't necessarily jive with everyone's, uh, cultural upbringing or religion, which we need to respect. So do you know if there's any if there's any reason why somebody might be denied a green burial? Like if there's any particular like medical treatments or medications that might prohibit somebody from a direct to earth burial? I didn't come across so things- anything in my research. That's not to say that there yeah. isn't. Um, it kind of reminds me of throwing back to the Tibetan sky burial episode when we were talking mm-hmm. about the diclofenac, which was the medication that was being given to cattle, I believe, um, to treat something. And then the vultures, when the cattles died and the vultures would eat them, it would cause poisoning. Um, So it just kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but more in a a body being medicated throughout its life and then poisoning the earth as it returns to the soil. But I didn't come across anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like it would have to be almost terminal doses of medications to really affect the ground ecology um, because the the breakdown of animal parts is different from the breaking down of like green materials like plants hmm. it produces a lot more nitrogen and it's can be a little bit more dangerous to manage that's why you don't call compost meat at home is it doesn't it's a little harder to balance nutritionally with soil and all of that but I guess, yeah, I guess that as long as somebody has, say, uh, joint replacements, pacemakers, implants, those sort of things removed prior to going into the earth. Because, like, I don't think a pacemaker or, like, a, a silicone boob implant right. are going to degrade very well. Right. Like I'm the like, silicone and batteries. I don't currently have anything in me that I think would uh, would not degrade. Do crowns, like teeth crowns, dental crowns. I think mine are made of porcelain. Yeah, I know that prior to cremation, usually the mortician will remove anything that will explode. Okay. Primarily pacemakers and implants, which can melt. Yeah, I don't know about fillings and stuff because they do tend to be metal, but we know that bones are some of the last things to break down in the body. So who knows? The dirt might just be like, hmm, porcelain, and eventually eat it. An area of further inquiry. Yes. But it sounds like currently there's no medical prohibition for a natural burial in Not Canada, that I could find. And that's not to say yeah. I was 100% thorough. Uh, I tried, but of course, we are fallible humans. <laughs> yep. So I'd, I'd be interested to see... It might be something to dig into on like a specific burial, green burial parks website because they would probably yeah. mention something of the sort. And I did poke around the Royal Oak uh, Burial Park website and I didn't see anything. But again, I could be wrong. Speaking of, the greenburialcouncil.org has a list of green burial providers in the U.S. and Canada. It consists of cemeteries and burial grounds that have been reported to provide natural burial options, including conservation preserves, natural burial grounds, hybrid cemeteries that allow, like there's a certain portion of it that is designated as green burial, 
And there are some municipal cemeteries that just don't require like a burial vault, for example. So there's this comprehensive list. And currently, the numbers stand at 273 hybrid, 60 natural burial grounds, which I assume means just green burial. Is this Canada and the U.S.? Canada and the U.S. And then... 20 that are conservation focused, which I assume is more of the uh, the planting natural species and all that kind of stuff. And more of like creating a natural like wilderness landscape rather than a manicured park. I don't know exactly what constitutes one as conservation and what constitutes one as natural and if maybe there's a blurry line there, but... According to their website, there's 60 of the natural places and 20 conservation places. And there are several in BC where we are, um, one of which I've already mentioned, which is the Royal Oak Burial Park in Victoria. Yeah, somehow that's both more than I thought there was going to be and less than I hoped there would be. Mm. Because I think part of the reason that it's not a popular funerary option is that a lot of people don't know anything about it or don't know if it's available because even I wasn't sure whether green burial was a legal option in Canada as some forms of green body disposition are still fighting their way through the legalization process. Uh, Human composting is only legal in a number of states down south. By down south, I mean below the 49th parallel in the U.S., Aquamation is still fighting for legalization. Permission has yet to be legalized anywhere. So there's still a a fight to bring things to a point of accessibility. So I'm glad to hear that green burial is available in Canada and the U.S., even though it might be more limited than we would like. Uh, I think they're quite, quite the way to go, honestly, in today's world. And I... I feel like if I were to be put in a... If I were to die... (laughs) And I were embalmed (laughs) and put in a casket and put in a concrete vault. My ghost, wherever, my spirit, wherever it might be, would be like, oh, come on, guys. Really? Yep. Really? My zombie is stuck. I'm trapped. (laughs) When the zombie rapture comes, I won't be able to join because I'm in an underground vault. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't see, I, I don't have any initial, uh, like knee jerk, ooh, like grossed out reactions to green burial that I feel some people who are more, have their hearts set on more traditional quote unquote, as I've said many times this episode, North American burial in a casket and such, as they might have that type of reaction. It just seems the thing to do. We've, it's just, like I said, it's just been an aberration of the last 150, 160 years that, We've been burying our dead in caskets and concrete vaults and causing havoc in our natural environments and taking up space. And why? Yeah. And I think that there's an aspect of a grave being a place you can go and visit somebody you've lost that I think is really appealing to mourners. But in my mind, there's also something about letting your body be made back into the environment, into the ecological system, and that in moments of grief, because grief never leaves us, um, to imagine that some part of the natural world, maybe a butterfly, maybe a bird, maybe an annoying dandelion, is also of that person, and to imagine that they have come to watch over you, or to check in on you, I think is, I think is equally important for a mourner to have. In my family, when people have passed, there have often been strange or almost sanctimonious encounters with wildlife that have then become entrenched in family mythos about seeing certain animals and the idea that the person whose death is associated with that animal coming to check up on you. And for the most part in my family, people are cremated uh, historically, very few burials. So I think there's definitely that aspect to it. And In my mind, when I was much younger, when I was flirting with the idea of vegetarianism, because I couldn't see any reason why there was much of a difference between, say, our cats and cows. To me, there wasn't really a big difference. And so kind of questioning, why do we eat meat? How is this right? How can we justify it? And being told that it's all 
in a circle. You know, we eat these animals and eventually we go back into the ground and become the grass that they eat. And then realizing that that's not actually how we largely do things. We seal up our corpses or we reduce them to basic carbon in a way that does not go back into the system. And it reminds me of how certain people hoard wealth and therefore drain and stress the economy rather than re-entering wealth into the system in order for it to function. So to me, the idea of a natural burial is the most, like you say, logical conclusion to being an animal on the planet, taking up resources, and then if the justification is to become resources in the end. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd agree with that logic. Yeah. And knowing that it's an option too, right? Pre-legalization of other forms of environmental body disposition. That's definitely top of my list for preferred body disposition should I die uh, before my more ideal options become legal in the country in which I reside, which currently is Canada. It may not always be. Yeah, uh, actually, that uh, you should read that CBC article that I keep talking about because it goes into a little bit of that. It talks about human composting uh, very briefly and uh, yeah. the promotion, I think it, it mentions just offhandedly, talking about all these different ways that humans are thinking more about how do we make death sustainable uh, in our modern age where we're thinking so much about these things. You should definitely read it. Uh, I'll send you the link. I Please do. And I'll yeah, put the link in the description for the listeners, too. Heck yeah. I mean, for a lot of people in, like, early settlement, if they weren't part of the church, which the church would control its own graveyard, and it would only bury members of its parish, of its congregation, in that cemetery, non-church-going folks would often just bury their dead in the backyard, like you do when a pet dies. Yeah, and that's legal bury in them some, on your land. That's legal in some places still, and that's part of the uh, this green burial guidebook that I started reading through mentions that because I think the author's based in the U.S. and that's more common there. So they they went into detail about a funeral where friends were hoping to bury uh, one of their loved ones, and they did a burial in her pro- like on her property because it's was legal in her county. So. Yeah, bringing... important to make sure that that's legal in your area so that it does yes. not become a case of who murdered and buried this person here improperly. Yes. Which also is an interesting dimension that we assume if a body is buried in a non-corpse space, that we assume that there has been uh, mischief and malice involved. Yeah, yeah. But green burial is kind of a way of bringing us closer back with death. I know we mentioned in a previous episode, like the idea that our modern society is we're very comfortable with talking about sex, but we're not comfortable talking about death. And yeah, for a lot of people being directly involved in the burial process really helps process the grief. Yeah. Being hands-on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a huge, I think it's a huge act of care and compassion that you can do for a lost loved one. You know, you mentioned the idea of honoring the dead with kind of lavishness and expensive things. But I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just us and maybe it's just me that thinks that having the people that love you take care of your body on its way to its final resting place and to transport you there is much more intimate and honoring than paying someone else to put you in a box, dress you up like you're still alive, uh, put you in a strange vehicle and take you somewhere for eternity. I would rather have a much more home funeral-based situation. And maybe that's selfish to want, you know, my loved ones to manage my death that way. But I also think that the people of whom you can ask that are the people who also are willing to do that. Hopefully. But that necessitates a, a change in our dialogue around death and death management and body disposition and confronting the realities of mortality with folks. Yeah, which is not something that everybody is ready to do. No. We here like to dive into that. Yes, and you mortal listening along are taking important steps towards that too, even just by listening and engaging and spending your precious mortal minutes with us on this podcast thinking about death and maybe thinking that these are conversations that you'd like to entertain the thought of having with 
people in your life. Because the last thing you want to do is die and have no plan in place to make that period of time easier for your loved ones. Mm -hmm. Definitely something to think about. And maybe Green Burial is for you. Like, maybe it's for me. Uh, I haven't 100% decided yet, but uh, it sounds like a, a pretty good way to do it, in my opinion. Um, so I'm yeah. really glad that I dug into it. That one was on purpose. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? You could get your name on a bench. Maybe. Maybe one day. Um, Maybe one day we'll talk about memorial benches, because boy, there's a lot in this town I live in. Yeah, they seem to be all over the place. But uh, yeah, anyway, like, how do you get a memorial bench? Who do you talk to about that? How do you tell somebody, hey, I want you to get me a bench? I don't know. Wow. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, listeners. Uh, and we'll catch you again in a few weeks. And we'll Indeed. be recording together in person. In person. How exciting. We might even have some special guests. Maybe. We'll, we'll see if, if they're willing to, to join on in, in on the fun. Uh, so look forward to that. Mortals Podcast is created, hosted, and edited by three morbidly curious individuals, Christia, Mariah, and Janine. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast Mortals, on Instagram at Mortals underscore podcast, and on our website, mortalspodcast.com. Show your support, access bonus content, and help us keep ads out of your ears by joining our community at patreon.com slash mortalspodcast. Our music is A Mermaid's Eulogy by Etienne Roussel. Thanks for listening, mortals. Take care of yourselves out there. Maybe that's a conversation that, that we all need to be having as well, is being like, hey, what sort of fixed public... A uh, piece of furniture would you like done in your name uh, after we give you a green burial? Because we want to be allowed to give you a headstone, but we can give you, I don't know, a fountain? Give me a lamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe you could be one of those fountains that has the little doggy spigot at the bottom. Oh, perfect. Excellent. Incredible.